Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Hey, welcome. I'm Chris, the pastor at Compass, and I am so glad that you are with me today. Now, I've gone snow skiing twice in my life. The second time I went skiing, I broke my arm, and that's a story that I've shared before. But the first time I went skiing, I broke my spirit. Terry and I were at the top of our very first slope, and again, having never skied before, I should have known how tough it was going to be when Terry face-planted into one of the ski lift pillars. Now, she was okay because she was going really slow, but she kind of looked like a cartoon character with her arms and legs splayed out to either side of the pillar. I should have known that it was going to be tough. Now, when I started, I made it halfway down the slope before I wiped out. But that wasn't what broke my spirit. What broke my spirit was what came next, and that was when I had to scoot down the rest of the hill on my butt while dozens of other skiers, including little kids, shot past me. The thing about skiing is that there's this one fundamental unbreakable law. The only way out is down. It doesn't matter how good you are or how easy your hill is, your ultimate destination is always going to be the bottom of the hill. And sometimes it's a race to the bottom, and then other times it's scooting on your bottom to the bottom. But in the world of skiing, the direction you're always going to go is down. And this is interestingly also the way that Jesus described a fundamental, unbreakable law of the kingdom of God. That when you become a follower of Jesus and when you embrace his way of being in the world, you are starting on a path of downward mobility. The way to be the greatest in the kingdom is to become like a child. That power in his kingdom, it doesn't look like wealth, authority, uh, position, or strength. Instead, it looks like being poor, humble, and meek. It's not a climb to the top, but the kingdom of God is really a journey to the bottom. And starting in Matthew chapter 19, we are going to see this theme of downward mobility expressed in the teaching uh, and interactions of Jesus. And today, we're going to start taking a look at all this in Matthew chapter 19, verse 1. It says this, When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to test him and they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Now that's a pretty good question. A lot of people ask that. When is it okay to get divorced? I suppose this question has crossed the mind of probably everyone who's ever been in a marriage that is struggling. When are things so bad that it's okay for me to call an end to this marriage? And while that question is probably the same within all struggling marriages, I think the answer can be very different. I mean, for one person, uh, the bar of divorce may be as low as just incompatibility. While for others, things would have to reach the level of infidelity or physical abuse. When is it okay to get divorced? I mean, this is a question that people have been asking since marriage was first instituted. Because as long as people have been getting married, they have been getting divorced. Even before Jesus' day. And there was a specific reason that the Pharisees asked Jesus about it. Because divorce was a law that existed in the Jewish world. I mean, look at Deuteronomy 24.1. If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her and he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her, and sends her from his house. So 
this is a rule about divorce that comes directly from the Jewish scriptures, from the Jewish law. But while this, this law lays out the fact that a man can divorce his wife, it's still a little ambiguous on why. It just says if she doesn't please him or if he's found something indecent about her. I mean, it's clear here that the man has the ability to divorce his wife, but the trigger is a little unclear. I mean, what does not pleasing him mean? What's the definition of something indecent? Now, there were some rabbis in Jesus' day who thought that something indecent implied some sort of sexual impropriety or infidelity. But there was another school of thought that said it covered literally anything that a husband didn't like, that, that if his wife burnt his bread, he could divorce her. And even in the context, uh, context of ancient Jewish uh, religion, they were asking, when is it okay to get divorced? And thinking that this question would somehow trap or discredit Jesus, the Pharisees asked him for his answer. And this is what Jesus said in 19 verse 4. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female, and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So here in his reply, Jesus appeals to the Jewish scriptures. And there are two things he alludes to, <coughs> excuse me, there's two things he alludes to that I want you to notice. And the first is gender. God made them male and female. And I want you to stick a pin in that one because we're going to come back to it. Because the second thing that Jesus points to in this is creation. Or rather, what God intended the world to be like when he created it. Now, why did Jesus need to go all the way back to, to the creation narrative to answer a question about marriage and divorce? Because Jesus has addressed this before, and he didn't go to creation the first time he talked about it. Look at Matthew chapter 5, 31. He said, You have heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she's been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. So this separate teaching on divorce, Matthew has already included it in his narrative of Jesus's life and teaching. So the question is, why did Matthew include it a second time? Why was it in chapter 5 and chapter 19? And why add elements of gender and God's creation here, but not in Matthew chapter 5? Well, let's continue reading and find out in 19 verse 7. Pharisees respond, Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual morality and marries another woman commits adultery. So, if you're looking for the answer to when can a man divorce his wife, Jesus gives an answer right here, just like he did in Matthew 5. And it's when his wife is sexually unfaithful to him. But in spite of Jesus' very straightforward answer, there's still a question of, of why he brought up gender and creation here when he didn't before. And I think the reason is that Jesus isn't really aiming his reply at divorce. I don't think that Jesus' Jesus's intent here is just to say that marriage is good and divorce is bad. I mean, that's already been established. 
I don't think Jesus is responding to the Pharisees' question about divorce as much as he's responding to their underlying assumptions in asking it. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the biggest underlying assumption in this question. But before we do, if you want to hear more about divorce specifically, I would encourage you to check out the message we did on Matthew chapter 5 a few years ago. And I will put the link in our notes here. But did you notice that every time divorced was mentioned here, that it was always a man divorcing his wife? The Pharisees asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? The Jewish law said a man could give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away. And then Jesus said a man could only divorce his wife for sexual morality. Do you notice how it never even occurs to anyone to ask when a woman could initiate divorce? And all of this is because much of the ancient world, particularly the Jewish world, was patriarchal. It was male-centric. And Jewish society had a lot of gender bias. Men held the power and women didn't. And you might have been listening to this and maybe it's bothered you that I've been using the language of a man divorcing a woman because it implies that women have no agency. But in marriage, they didn't. The reason a woman couldn't initiate divorce was because it required a contract, a legal certificate of divorce. And the problem was that women couldn't enter into contracts. Only men could. And so because of that, a woman couldn't divorce her husband. And if you think that type of gender bias only existed in the distant past, just know this, that 50 years ago, women couldn't get a bank loan or a credit card unless a man signed for them. This is not just ancient history. And the outcomes of divorce were also radically different between men and women. I mean, in the divorce, the man kept everything, the house, the money, the kids, his inheritance. And there was really no shame in a divorced man remarrying. But a divorced woman? I mean, she had nothing. At best, she would return to her family and hope for the unlikely chance to remarry. But at worst, she had nowhere to go. And she would result to begging for help. Do you want to know why the early church was so focused on caring for orphans and widows? Because a woman who'd been cast out of her marriage by either death or divorce... That woman was about as powerless and vulnerable as you could get. Patriarchal society was already brutal towards women, but divorce was a killer. I mean, look at how God spoke about divorce here in Malachi chapter 2. God says, The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one that he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. To God. Divorce was not just the breaking of a covenant relationship. It was an exploitation of the power balance between men and women. God said that when a man leverages his patriarchal privileges to divorce his wife, it's an act of hatred and violence toward one he should be protecting. In Matthew 19, Jesus is not just talking about divorce. He's talking about how power is used to benefit those who have it at the expense of those who don't, particularly as it relates to gender. I mean, this is one reason that he brought up God's creation intent. Check this out. Let's go to Genesis 1, where it all starts. It says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. 
So this, this is the passage that Jesus quoted when he said that God made mankind in his image, male and female. God's creation intent for male and female was for them to rule over and subdue creation as equal partners. The Hebrew word here that is used for rule, it implies caring or nurturing for something. And in fact, this is how power and authority is expressed in God's perfect kingdom, caring for something to see it grow and flourish. But after the fall, when sin entered into the world and into human relationships, look at how God describes the consequences. Speaking to Eve, he says, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Here, two chapters later, is the word rule, but it's a different Hebrew word for rule. This kind of power, this kind of rule is combative, oppositional, and demanding. This is how power and authority are expressed when sin enters the picture. Because in a fallen world, sin elevates one person or group of people over another to the advantage of those who have the power and to the disadvantage of those who don't. Men over women, the rich over the poor, one race or nationality over another. It's one group climbing to the top of the ladder on the backs of those at the bottom. But in Jesus' kingdom, power works differently. It's not a climb to the top of the hill at the expense of those who are at the bottom. It's a race to the bottom of the hill in order to elevate and protect those who are there. The Apostle Paul describes God's creation intent for mankind this way in Galatians 3.28. He says, and this is about the church, he says, there's, no, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The power imbalances that we see in the world they have no place in the kingdom of God. In the same way a ski path is always going to lead downward, the path of Jesus will always lead to equality. Where all of the inequalities based on gender or race or wealth, all those inequalities are leveled out. And here's why. Jesus' followers will always surrender power to nurture equality. We don't leverage our power and privilege to gain a foothold of, over others. Rather, we climb down to the bottom to lift others up with us. So as we wrap up, let's bring this all back to gender and marriage. So we can see why Jesus called back to God's creation intent when he talked about marriage and divorce. Because a marriage that functions in the way of a fallen world will result in a combative, oppositional, demanding relationship where each partner is battling for the upper hand. But a marriage that functions in the way of God's original creation intent results in a nurturing, creative, and equal relationship where each partner works for the good of each other to see each other flourish. And I think we can also see why gender is central to what Jesus taught here. Because in spite of the fact that we live in what we think of as a more enlightened society, just a hundred years ago, women couldn't vote. Again, 50 years ago, within the lifetime of some of the people who are watching this right now, women couldn't get a bank loan or a credit card unless a man signed for her. Still today, women earn 18% less than men do in the workplace. And, and women are radically less represented in the halls of government. In many churches, women can't be pastors, they can't hold jobs, they can't wear pants, and they can't teach men over the age of 13. 
Gender-based inequality is still alive and well, even in the church where patriarchal structures lead men to rule over women. But Jesus said in the beginning that God made male and female to equally carry the image of God into the world, equally responsible for the care and the nurture of all creation. I realize that not all marriages have problems that are rooted in gender inequality and that not all power imbalances are patriarchal. I mean, these are just the specific issues that Jesus addressed in this very specific moment. Patriarchy and inequality are evil, destructive forces in our world, but they don't represent the only ways that people leverage their power in order to gain at the expense of others. Regardless of how you see this played out in your world and in your life, I want you to remember that Jesus' followers will always surrender power to nurture equality. That the way of Jesus is one of downward mobility for the nurturing, care, and flourishing of everything and everyone in creation. So may we stop scratching and fighting for power and privilege over others and begin to see our path to the bottom as one of love, of joy, and of surrender. And may we, as we seek to get to the bottom, as we seek to find equality for others in our lives, and as we seek to find equality and partnership and surrender to each other in our marriages, may we live like Jesus lived, think like he thought, and do what he taught. Thanks for joining me, and I will see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.